Hello and welcome to the first episode of Queer Alien Blast. We are a fan-run podcast for the CW series Roswell, New Mexico, exploring the show, its characters, themes, and ships from an LGBTQ point of view. The show plays on a number of different themes and touches on a lot of subjects, including immigration, racism, LGBTQ, and abuse. The aim of this podcast is to examine those themes and the show as a whole from the perspective of LGBTQ viewers and how our orientations shape how we view the show. We're going to assume you're here because you're a fan of the show, but for those of you who might be new viewers, we'll give you a brief recap of the show before we introduce the hosts. Roswell, New Mexico is a reboot of the original television series that aired on the WB and UPN from 1999 to 2002. The original series was based on a series of books called Roswell and Hyde by Melinda Metz. While the reboot removes the whitewashing of the characters that happened in the OG series, the show takes the characters out of high school and puts them in their late 20s with the character of Liz Orteco returning to Roswell after 10 years away following the death of her sister Rosa. Liz's return and subsequent resurrection by Max sparks a snowballing series of events that affects everyone around them. The first season was something of a murder mystery with Liz working to discover who killed her sister and framed, for the de- framed her for the death of two others. Now we're going to take a minute to introduce our three hosts. I'm going to take this opportunity to talk for a minute about our first host. Amanda, yay, was one of my first friends in the fandom. We talk every day, and she has quickly become one of my favorite people, even if she caused me to call Flamus a curly-haired fuck to his face. Hi, everyone. My name is Amanda. Um, I live in Nashville, Tennessee, so um, a little bit of a southern accent here. Sorry. Um, I am a fairly recent addition to fandom, have only really been on Tumblr for about a year and a half. Um, so I run two different blogs. Bisexual Alien Blast is my Roswell um, blog. Uh, People Died Robert is a, a British soap opera blog. That's depressing. Um, I got my master's in film studies um, with a focus in pop culture and women in classic Hollywood. Um, I didn't really want to get in academia, so this was a chance and has turned out to be a chance to really use some of what I learned in school um, lets me do it for fun versus um, sort of sucking all the fun out of it. Um, I'm a gift maker um, and I just really like to scream about the characters a lot. Um, that's pretty much it. Um, nothing too exciting. Um, the next, our next host, Mick, is phenomenal and wonderful um, and is absolutely one of my favorite people on Tumblr. I think we became friends because I put into a tag, hey, let's be friends. And then she messaged me and then here we are. So Mick, if you want to talk a few minutes. Hi everyone. Um, I'm Mick. Um, my blog on Tumblr is Flamito. Um, I'm Italian, so I might like fair warning. I might lose my English every once in a while. Um, I'm currently still in university. I'm studying English and Spanish with a focus on publishing. And yeah, I've been in fandom for a long time. And this basically is the first opportunity I had to not like yell in a vacuum about my passion. So I'm really, really glad I'm doing this. And yeah, that's pretty much it. So Back to our moderator for today. Sarah was amazing and has kept us all organized for today. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm Sarah on Tumblr. I am Fraudulent Zodiacs. Uh, I mostly write Fic, uh, mostly Alex, but I do multi-ship, so I will write Kylex or Milex. And I even have a Michael and Maria Fic floating around, which I'm surprised didn't get me kicked out of Malex fandom. Um, 
and I work for the state, I'm a, so I have a super boring job. Uh, so fandom has kind of been my escape for years, and um, and Roswell is just really special, and I also wanted a chance to yell about my favorite characters, so here we are. Today we'll be starting things off by talking about my favorite disaster son, Alex Maines. So before we dive in deep on all things Alex, I think it's important to address the fact that Tyler uh, is the only out LGBTQ actor on the show that I'm aware of. Um, he came on by earlier this year, and he also recently did a really great interview with Playboy for their gender and sexuality issue. And I just thought it was really great. He seemed much more comfortable with his talking about it, at least, than he did in the initial interview, which was also a good interview, but I feel like this went way more in depth on his bisexuality and coming to, to kind of coming to accept that. Absolutely. It, 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 it also, it felt, it, it read like, um, someone who has been struggling with this for a long time, which he mentioned. And with that sort of grace that I think comes with age. Um, I mean, he's, I, I think he's my age, so he's in his early thirties. Um, and he, the way he talked about just sort of having confidence and almost with this, I, you know, refuse to be unhappy. I will, you know, embrace myself. And I mean, it's, it, that's the part that I think I walked away with, um, feeling the most proud of, because I don't think that that's a perspective a lot of people get when they're younger and certainly not when you're an actor in Hollywood, but he is very much, you know, in charge of it now. And that was uh, amazing. Yeah, I mean, what I loved about it is that he underlined the fact that for the most time it was unsure about coming out because he didn't want to be like forced to be an advocate for the, the community and he didn't know what his place would be if he came out. And that's really something that I think all of us struggle with and be like, if I do come out, then how much, like how out and proud do I have to be to fit into the community and to be accepted into my community. So I think, yeah, that was my biggest takeout from it. All right. Uh, so Alex, um, <clears throat> I feel like we have to start at the beginning of him. Uh, we saw 17 year old Alex in 106 and he seemed to be out at least to the people who knew him. I mean, his father knew whether, you know, I mean, Alex didn't tell him, but he knew. And, um, and Michael mentioned rumors about Alex, but can we assume, you know, given his father's feeling the matter that Alex wasn't really like out in high school aside from Liz, Maria, and presumably Rosa? Right. Yeah, I think so. Um, and, and it's interesting that the rumors, he just seemed so, such a confident queer teenager. I, I, I it amazes me every time I watch. I mean, he may not be out and, and proud and may not have been at when he was a teenager, which is not surprising given who his father is. But, I mean, he's clearly brave. I mean, he's clearly not afraid to go after Michael. He's not afraid to sort of be himself. I that I mean, that confidence that Tyler brought to that role and, and, and how they wrote mm -hmm. him is, is pretty phenomenal because they could have written him a much different teenager. 
that probably would have reflected a lot of queer teenagers' experiences. But mm-hmm. he's um, certainly more confident than a lot of other one, other teenagers that I've met. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think about myself as a teenager, and I could never have been that kind of... Even though he, may, he was not the most open, he was more open than I ever could have been as a teenager. Especially given his home life. You know, to be as as himself as he was, I think is really commendable as a character. Yeah. Yeah, what I wrote down in my notes was, kid has some balls. Because literally, <laughs> like, he, may, he may not be out, I we don't know exactly, but like, he literally, he dresses like, and I need to mention this, because I was the emo queer kid in high school, so I felt so validated by his, his whole look. But, like, those fashion choices, the, the nail polish, the rings, all of that, the music. Like, he was standing up to his father in a way that was maybe subconscious. I don't know. Like, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't going to his father and saying, you know, I'm gay, like, deal with it. But it was still making choices that were showing that he was standing up to his father and then, like, the the fight with Kyle and like Amanda you mentioned the attempted kiss in the shed with Michael like right. he he needs to have some balls to do it because like how do you he, he's not sure right whether Michael's queer or is not exactly. so like and especially as a teenager when you're putting yourself out there I mean he he I'm assuming he has sort of a sense of who Michael is and what he would have or yeah. wouldn't have done but you never really know you put yourself out there Michael could have freaked out he could have, you know, I mean, any number of things could have happened. And that's what I mean about he may not be out in the sense of however Karina defines it or however, you know, sort of running around with a gay pride flag and, and being out right. in that way. But in the sense, I mean, he's out to everyone that matters, clearly. Exactly. Um, I mean, he said in front of all the people outside of prom when he's fighting with Kyle, I mean, he made it very clear I don't think he's hiding it in any way. You know, he may not tell random people in his school or may not talk about it because I don't think that he cares really. Um, But that's sort of what I mean that that you're absolutely right. He has some balls. I mean, that is the perfect description. I think his rebellion, you know, with his look, with the eyeliner, with the jewelry, with the nail polish, it's a safer way to rebel against Jesse than walking down the street with a pride flag. Alright, so we have Alex as kind of this rebellious emo teen, and then the shed incident happens. And my heart broke. But this was such a pivotal moment for Michael, but it's also when everything changed for Alex. And we kind of saw the aftermath of what happened with Michael, but we didn't really see what happened with Alex. And... Um, but And we didn't see what happened with between the two of them after the shed, after Rosa... Um, but I think we can kind of assume that they had this summer after Rosa's death, whether they were together or not, they would have seen each other. Um, and then Alex left to join the Air Force at some point. Right. And he has said that he left because he wanted to win battles. But this is such a huge change from this kind of rebellious teenager, you know, with balls, like Mick said, to a soldier that has to follow orders, which is kind of seems like the last thing that he wanted. So how do you guys think maybe that transition happened? I think I'm, uh, first I'm, I'm, I'm sort of curious about, 
and I'm sure that the show really won't ever go there because I think it would, it may require flashbacks, maybe not. But I'm curious about when he joined the military. So clearly he says a few times, you made me go to war, you know, you sort of was forced into it, Um, which I'm intrigued by. I don't, you know, I don't know, was it a threat? Was it, you know, I mean, presumably he was 18 when he joined. So there's always the back of my mind what Jesse said or did to make him join. Um, I mean, I guess threatening, threatening to cut off financial help. I mean, I have no, I guess there's a, the whole a litany of things that, that could have forced him in. Um, but then, you know, in the last episode, when he sort of explains his reasoning, then it becomes less maybe forced to go in or maybe initially forced to go in. And then once he signed up, that's why he kept re-signing was, you know, it, it was, it was sort of a punishment at first. And then he really found something that, you know, that he needed, which is just mind blowing to me <laughs> to be able to find mm-hmm. that in the military before don't ask, don't tell was repe- repealed. Absolutely. Yeah. I think for him, considering how the shed scene played out um, and I'm not in any way like blaming him for like what he did, how he acted because like he was a traumatized kid and he was literally had just been choked by his father. So like, not getting into in between Michael and the hammer is not his fault by any means. But I do think that having acted that way in the shed scene brought to him a sense of like hopelessness that may have played into his decision or like acceptance of being forced into the military if that's how it happened. And it was like I don't know, to me, there's a sense of how can I stand up to my abusers? If I join the military, I have a social standing, I, have, I may get power, I for sure will get at least physical power because I will get trained and everything. So I think to me, there was the sense of I'm getting rid of that sense of hopelessness that I had and I can fight back in some way. But that's for sure a sense, also a sense of I am doing what my father wants me to do because I am scared shitless. So, yeah, I think it's a bit of both. It's a mix of both because it does say I, I did want to go because I wanted to win battles. I didn't want to feel that hopelessness that I felt when you were um, when you were being attacked by, by my father. So. so my relationship with the military is something we don't necessarily have to get into. Um, but the idea of... of of going into the military during what is a massive, you know, massive campaigns in the Middle East. And, and this is only seven years after nine 11, it's, you know, we're still in it, you know, information's coming out that maybe perhaps we're in Iraq and Afghanistan for less than honest reasons. Um, so to exist that this character who I absolutely believe is, is a genuinely kind human. I just do. Um, I think we get that sense of him throughout the show, but then to be sort of forced into the military and choose to stay in the military, um, where he's had to have done some terrible things. Um, the assumption is that he was boots on the ground. Um, he explained it in episode 12. Um, so in one way it probably did help him become a, a, a better person and stand up to his father. But for me, in the back of my mind, it's always, um, at what cost? to Iraqi civilians to, you know, and so it's, there's always this, 
great divide, um, the fact that he's a soldier. I think that's so important um, because he, it could have been written as, as he did anything else for this many years and sort of came back. Um, but it's just it's super important that he was um, a soldier. So, Yeah, which um, is kind of the next thing that we wanted to touch on was this almost different character from Teenage Alex, which is Soldier Alex. Um, and Amanda mentioned, you know, he entered the military in 2008. So at this point, we've got two major wars with the U.S. military going on. You have uh, Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan and the war in Iraq. Um, and we know that Alex saw action in Iraq. But before we before we even really get into that, I think we have to acknowledge that Alex joined the Air Force at a time when we were still like three years off from Don't Ask, Don't Tell being repealed. And, you know, he and we talked about this earlier where he may not have been out to everybody, but he was definitely not in the closet. And I feel like along with joining the military that he did what he didn't want to do, he was effectively shoved back in the closet when he joined. So and I think that had to have had an effect mentally. Not only, you know, did his dad do this horrific thing to Michael, which kind of spearheaded this him leading leading him going into the military it also led to him back in the closet which is what his father wanted in the first place and he's surrounded by this framework that has got to constantly and never endingly remind him of his father it's the look it's the uh the feel the even the uniforms i mean whatever he's in this so that's why i that's intriguing to me that that's where his character development happened um, in this framework that I would never expect someone to come to terms with his sexuality and mm-hmm. certainly before Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And, 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 and Don't Ask, Don't Tell being repealed was not some sort of making the military more fabulous in the end. You know, it probably made it a little easier, but it's, you know, we don't, I, I don't think we should harbor any, you know, fantasy that it is, you know, probably super comfortable to be gay in the military even at this point. But Well, and, you know, yes, Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed. And I, you wouldn't lose your job if they found out. But I can't imagine that, you know, like you said, like these soldiers are all of a sudden going to be, it's totally fine that you're gay. You know, no problem whatsoever. You know, that's probably not what happened. You know, at least you had the security of not losing your job. But beyond that, I doubt much changed. Yeah, I mean, I know very little of this because not being American, but um yeah, for sure that he shoved him back into the closet, which considering how, let's say, uncaring about people's um, reactions to sexuality was in high school must not have been easy. But I think those two, three years of having Don Gaston Tell in place informs how private he is about his sexuality in present day canon. Mm-hmm. Um like Karina said, he's very private with it. We can see it with him not wanting people to find out and the drive-in um, date, let's call it that. Um, but yeah, I don't think it has, a, it has in any way a positive um, consequence to how he views himself on top of his dad's abuse. Like it's abuse on top of abuse on top of abuse and having to keep that secret in a situation which you know you wouldn't be safe if people knew 
must not have been easy in any way to him. So I do understand why after 10 years in a situation where you're not sure, like, yes, it's been repealed, but how will these people view me, like my colleagues, people I've lived with for years and years, how will they view me if they know him? Um, it informs, I think, in every way how he views his sexuality in present day. And, and I think we've seen that it certainly, you know, this is to bring some positives, I think, of, of, of what he may have of learned in the military, because clearly, I mean, he was resigning. I, I do not remember how often you resign or however many years. That's failing me right now. Um, but I would presume at least he resigned a couple of times um, that he must have gotten something out of it. And I think that we see that in his ability to be very confident in himself, not necessarily, even his sexuality aside, just confident in his, his, his demeanor. He just sort of says what he, he thinks about people or situations, maybe not always to Michael, but, um, (laughs) to, you know, I mean, he's very blunt. I left nice back in the Middle East. I mean, he's, he's, his ability that I think probably came from what he saw or what he did or what he was around in the military. And I think that that, I don't, I do think that's a positive character trait to just be sort of blunt and really and really say what you need to or or this sense of you know this problem needs to be solved I'd like to solve it so yeah um wrapping up kind of Alex's service you know it's been hinted by Karina that Alex has PTSD from his service and especially his injury and we know Alex saw action while serving obviously because he got injured And he probably had to do some things that he would never, you know, Alex is not a cruel character. I think I agree with Amanda that he's at his core. He's a good, kind person. Uh, But when you're serving and you're following orders, there were probably things that he had to do that I would probably characterize as downright evil. And that has to affect him, you know, and, and you factor in the idea that he has PTSD and, it changes him as a person. Right. And I'm a little, it's one of those, you know, Karina may say that he has PTSD, which makes sense given the trauma of his father, the military, all of that. Um, I don't think we ever got a hint of that. I don't think that that ever showed at any point. I don't, if that were to suddenly come up in season two, I would be, that would be great if they did it well, but it would feel almost like, it came out of nowhere because I don't think we got any hints for that at all. And I think that would be a wonderful way to go with his character is really struggling with these things. I mean, I don't know how they would write it or how they would do it, but it would be, I would love to see a scene of him in therapy, whether yeah. it's group therapy or, you know, by himself, because dude needs therapy. Everyone in Roswell they all do. needs they a all damn do. therapist. Yeah. They all need therapy. Right. Uh, let's move on to another part of Alex, uh, his orientation, which I think is a huge part of who he is as a character. Um, and something that was really unique, I think, when it came to Alex's story in the first season, and Michael's too, to a point, is that there's not really like a coming out story like we're used to seeing. From pretty much the beginning, we know Alex is gay, and everyone around him knows this, um, whether they accept it or not. 
there's no like long drawn out storyline where Alex kind of questions himself or, you know, he has to accept that, you know, that he's gay or his attraction to Michael. It's just there, even as a teenager. And it's just a part of who he is. And I think that was actually one of my favorite things that we didn't get this kind of, this long drawn out thing where he's, you know, struggling and, you know, maybe even like, I don't know, I guess maybe sad about it or upset. It's just, it's part of who he is. It's a fact. He likes men and he doesn't really care what people think. Absolutely. I, it was, it was refreshing to see, cause you know, we had Michael sort of panic a little bit, which makes sense, but it was refreshing not to see both of them panic and this sort of freaking out of finding each other and then realizing they're attracted. I mean, he was just like, yes and just like this is the you know this is the one i'm done you know i'm going for it and it it, it and in the midst of all this sadness which the whole show is just fucking sad as shit <laughs> um it's in the midst of all of it sorry it's cussing, um is you have this character who is about to go through something traumatic over and over again but he what i love about him is again that confidence and just i mean you can't buy that. I mean, that sense of knowing who you are at such an early age and we don't have to watch him struggle with it. I'm sure that he struggled with it when he discovered it or not. Maybe he, if not struggled with it, it probably took some time to, you know, to get used to it and sort of put a name to it. I'm sure. I mean, every you know, I would imagine most queer people, that's what they go through. Um, but it's just wonderful to see that he's just, I mean, zero to 60. We just see it. Yeah. I think one of my favorite things of him, um, loudly identifying with his label is that he uses it as kind of a weapon, I think, because when we see him identify on screen, um, I think there are two times, one was with Kyle and one is with his dad. Um, is like is stating is it's a statement. It's just this is who I am. You abused me through all of my like my childhood and my teenage life, and you didn't do shit to me because this is still <laughs> who I am. So you know, like screw you. He so says it so sharply both times. It's because yeah. I'm gay, and, and I'm gay. you know that's he it. says yeah, that's it. and, and I he love said. that. <laughs> It's perfect. I mean, yes. that that's that's how I want all queer characters to do it from now on. Yeah. Just like, I'm gay. And it's just, that's, that's it. And he uses it as of, and what I love is that both times he's using it to call out people's bullshit. He's using it yeah. to say like, no, you didn't do this for this reason. You did it because I'm gay. Let's get to the bottom line. Like, what? That's insane. Uh, you know, several times Alex states, you know, to, to Kyle, to his dad, to Mimi, you know, unequivocally, he's gay. End of the story. Um, you know, he says it to his friends. He says it to his father. He says it to Mimi. <clears throat> he doesn't seem ashamed of it. But just how comfortable do you think he is with being gay? Because, I mean, knowing the household that he grew up in with his father, you know, is there shame there at all because of the how because of how he grew up? I mean, obviously, his father was a hateful monster who, you know beat his son for being gay it, I think it would be natural to be to have some kind of you know hesitation there at least right so what I have down is um Tyler does speak about it a little bit in a few interviews and he does say that from his point of view he thinks that one he's afraid of what 
having his relationship with Michael out in the world might, you know, have the consequence that that relationship being out might have with his dad and everything. Um, and the second is it just it struggles a little bit in his journey to accept it outwardly. And I think it's it's a sum of having been in the military for so long, having had his dad abuse him for so long. And I think I don't think he's necessarily ashamed of it, but I do think that he doesn't feel comfortable having it out into the world for everyone to see. I think he uh, prefers to live live it more privately and even in his relationship with Michael, I I always had this sense of, but is it Michael is is ashamed of? Is it just afraid? Is he ashamed of himself? Like that scene in in the airstream in one of three, that was still, I was always confused of understanding whether it was Michael he was ashamed of, and I don't think he was at the end. I just think he was afraid of people knowing and having the same consequences it had. 10 years before. Well, and you know, it's interesting is um, I, it, it's interesting to have this character who I, seems to be internally at, at peace with himself. You know, like, you know, we, we, as we've discussed, I mean, he's, I, I, I really get the sense that he's proud of it in his own mind and sort of, or if not proud of it, it's not a big, it's just who he is, you know, it's yeah. just not a big thing. And then we have this character who, uh, proud of it inwardly and then afraid, you know, outwardly for every good reason i get it um and and maybe no one will agree with me i get the sense because michael is the only romantic character we've seen him with that you do get the sense that it's michael that he's afraid of being seen with now we'll never know until if unless this love interest that he possibly might have in season two and, and how that changes i can you imagine if in season two he has this new love interest who is not afraid to be seen with in the same way. I mean, I think that's going to be intriguing. You know, I don't know how they're going to go with it, but I do get the sense of that. It's because there's so much trauma attached with his relationship with Michael, that it, it, it is probably a little bit that it's him because the last time, you know, obviously the last time they were together and found out and someone saw, um, look what they went through. So, and that's, exactly. and, and I don't know that he necessarily thinks that the same thing would happen now if he were to be seen, but I mean, that's a lot of trauma to not, um, be able to let go of. So I do think that that's part of what held them back a lot this season is just how do you let that fear go? You know, I mean, you can be proud of who you are and then just absolutely terrified to actually show it to the world at large. Well, you know, and Michael has kind of said that, you know, Alex is tied to a lot of pain and trauma for him. And I think the same is for Alex. Absolutely. You know, you think about, a lot of these horrific things that happened to Alex, Michael was there. I mean, so, you know, I think that that's what ties into kind of, you know, not that Alex is ashamed of Michael, but I think it stems from wanting to protect Michael because look what happened the last time somebody found out that Michael was with Alex. I mean, he got his hand, you know, beaten by his father. Like, I don't think that he's ashamed of Michael at all. I don't think that. And I think if he had a romantic relationship in season two with someone else, I, I think it would all depend. Honestly, I think it would depend on if Jesse's a factor. Yeah. Right. Because I feel like having a, you know, maybe he had a romantic relationship with somebody in the 10 years in between, but Jesse wasn't around. You know, he was, Alex was off somewhere else. 
And in Roswell, I wonder if he would have the same fears and issues with somebody else just purely because Jesse's around. And also this sense of privacy and being private about his sexual orientation and and who he is. We also have to consider what being out means to every queer person and queer character. I mean, Mm -hmm. to him, I I don't necessarily believe this, but to him, this may be as out as he wants to be. And and aside from trauma and all of that, he's out to the people that matters. You know, I, I don't know. Which is totally fine. Right. And, and, and I think that'll be interesting. Does he have to sort of always be on and show everyone in Roswell or to him, is it just, this is, you know, who I am, the people that matter know, and then, and sort of deals with that that way. I mean, he may just be, he seems to be just a private person in general. And I kind of get the feeling that, you know, he's one of those people, which I identify with because I'm the same way where I'm not going to advertise who I am, you know, as a person, my orientation, whatever. But if you ask me, I'm not going to lie. Right. Right. So, you know, he's out to his friends. And if somebody walking down the street, you know, because they're an awkward asshole, you know, asks, hey, are you gay? You know, he's not going to lie to them. Yeah. But he's also, I I just don't see Alex the kind of character that's going to walk down Main Street with a pride flag on his back. No, but and at the end of the day, um, what we know from what we know about Roswell, it's pretty conservative town so like he might also have a feeling of it's not safe for me to do that to be out and proud Mm -hmm. you know look at how he was treated in high school um by what we assumed was more people than just kyle um it must not have been fun for him so i don't think he would come back and be like fuck you i'm i'm, I'm doing like a one-man pride parade like it's not going to do that anyway right. mm-hmm. and also i wonder how comfortable he is um uh because of where because of what new mexico and arizona the last few years um has been <laughs> an insane sort of conservative agenda in both of these states arizona more but certainly in new mexico um that he is, you know, a person of color. And you have these states that have been creating very stringent laws about um, people of Hispanic descent. But it's certainly, I mean, he's certainly got to feel the after effects Mm -hmm. of this. I mean, so you have on, I I think it would make sense to me that um, he probably not only feels like he doesn't fit in in Roswell in this sort of conservative Southwest um, atmosphere, not only for his orientation, but before the fact that he's part Native American. I mean, yeah. he, hmm. he still has got to feel like the other, um, because I mean, any any person of color um, at this point in time in those states is is a target. Um, so I think that's and and the show hasn't really talked about that, which I think is important. I mean, we've we've sort of focused on, you know, the ice roundups and 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 which makes sense. That's definitely what's happening in this country right now. Um, but we haven't really talked about Alex in terms of his, his race, which I think will be, I hope, I hope comes up in season two. I feel like you can't discuss Alex without talking about his relationship with his father. Um, we don't really know anything about his mother other than the fact that she's alive but not around. Um, Alex has said that his father was abusive toward them from a young age, and we know at least Flint was aware of their father abusing Alex. But was Jesse like that with all of his sons? 
Is he just like that with Alex because Alex is gay? And where is his mom? Like, where was his mom during all this? Did she, was she already gone? Did she just kind of, uh, not putting the blame on her at all, but did she see this happening to her son and just not do anything about it? Whether she could or not, you know, that's not what I'm saying, but I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody could have stopped Jesse from doing what he was going to do to Alex, but you know, where was she? Right, exactly. And, and, you know, when did she leave the, the household and how, and if she knew why, you know, again, it's intriguing that she, why didn't she, most of the time, not that this is how it should be or anything, most of the time when, when people separate, the woman usually um, takes children. Now that's a system still have time for, but that's usually how it goes. But now we have that completely subverted you know that that presumably whenever she left they were under 18 why is this the exception is it because he was in the military and sort of throws his weight around and he gets to keep their children i don't know that's that's an intriguing way to, to go about this that she is the most vague character i have just no sense of of when she knew and what she knew mm-hmm. but i mean alex is obviously still in contact with her because he right. talks to her at one point about jesse so it's not like she's completely disappeared. Now, maybe she disappeared during his childhood. I mean, and then they reconnected after. They definitely have some kind of relationship. Yeah, I think from what we know, um, at first I th- I thought she was dead because when he talks about her um, at first in 105, I think with Kyle, he just says she was gone. So I was like, okay, she was that, okay, whatever. Um, but no, we know she's she's alive and he talks to her. I think this is just my headcanon that she left before um, Jesse figured out Alex was gay. Just because I, I don't see a mother leaving her son in a household right, like that. Like, And as for his brothers, I think they had somehow this a similar uh, education uh, as for the violence and stuff. Um, but for sure, if they're not, if none of them is also um, queer, they for sure had, um, I don't want to call it affection, but it was definitely not as brutal as it was with Alex, I think. Um, and we also, um, we also hear um, Flint saying um, that he tried to protect Alex, but at the end of the day, we know from Alex saying it that he didn't, it didn't actually help. Well, also, how much can a child help? Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, it's we don't, right. I mean, we don't really know what the age difference is, so we can just assume that even Flint, I, I don't think Flint is much older than Alex is. Um, I, I I don't assume that it could do something if someone with authority like um, Jim Valente was, he couldn't do anything to protect Alex. Then how much can you know someone that had that same education? How much can that person do? Well, and you can say the same thing about Alex's mom. I mean, you have this military husband, and what is she gonna do right. theoretically to protect her kids? Yeah, and there's no evidence that he wasn't abusing her too you know and maybe she left and he said you can leave but you can't take the kids with you and she made that that horrible choice but right but it's one i mean i don't know what i 
I don't know. Yeah. How do you know until you're in it? I mean, there's no, I can't imagine, I don't know, I, so I'm, I'm a mother, and I can't imagine leaving my kids behind. I'm not saying any woman that does is making a bad decision. That's not at all. Um, that's got to be a decision that I can't even fathom making, really. I mean, I can't even imagine what would have gone through her mind if she knew how much she knew. Just to leave them in general. Let's say there was no abuse. Just when she left for whatever reason to then sort of duck out of their lives. It, I can't imagine her brain, where her mind was. That's a little frustrating because I hope that she's going to make an appearance and we get a sense of of why or, or a discussion. Um, because as of right now, Alex's family, this is the most bleak outlook. And the most yeah. bleak situation. I mean, he has no, you know, no one in his family is a redeemable character at this point. Yeah, and it's no wonder he considers Michael his family because... Oh, for God's know, sakes, yeah. And look at the family that he has. Like, Michael, despite all their issues, is still much more his family than than his family. So, uh, one thing I really want to talk about. So, I was at ATX at the Roswell panel uh, last week. And during the panel, Trevor who plays Jesse, um, he made an interesting comment about uh, his relation, his character's relationship with Alex and the difference between love and attachment when it comes to your children. You know, he kind of pretty much claimed that Jesse doesn't love Alex, which is not surprising, um, but that he's attached to him because Alex is his son and is kind of an extension of himself. And that may be why he has such an issue with Alex being gay, because he feels that it reflects poorly on himself. And Alex is this walking kind of advertisement for Jesse. Right. Oh, absolutely. And especially you have someone who's been clearly successful in the military um, in what is more than likely a very conservative town. I mean, he's just probably a very conservative human by being in the military in the first place. Um, but then to have it, so it's important in that, atmosphere to have boys right that's that goal is to have sons and carry on blah 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 carry on the family name all that bullshit and so then you have this son who does in some ways do what you want him to do he goes into the military you know but he he sort of quirks it and he's you know gay and he's not really that ashamed you know he's, he's willing to talk about it and he's not gonna hide it away and pretend that it doesn't exist so I can absolutely see how a man like Jesse doesn't love his son because it's not the son that he wanted and then he has other ones and I'm just being that flippant about it just like well and then just sort of writing him off in that way I think to be honest I think he's more um he has more love for his own legacy than he does for his son so um like you said like Alex is an obstacle to that legacy so having him there act that way even if it's subtle and always but um it's still kind of an hindrance to what his legacy and what the name means means in the town um and i think uh it really shows that yes he's attached to him because all the thing that he says in in the bunker when he's like alex kidnaps him um all the things he says there is like i had to protect you like you're my son and all that is like you weren't protecting him like you were literally putting him in more danger than michael ever could you know um but i think from alex's point of view um 
I think they have, he has the same relationship. Like I, I, I still think he's attached to his father, um, despite the abuse. Um, we know that he was under um, such influence that he, the abuse he, he went through still has, you know, uh, a consequence in what he goes through his head in present day. I mean, he's back under his father's thumb anyway, so um, it will have like an effect on him. Um, it will be interesting, I think, to see how that develops in season two because now he's in a coma so how will alex react to that there's been some good fic out there since the finale of alex's reaction to finding out that jesse's in the coma Mm -hmm. and you know i'm very lucky that i have a wonderful relationship with all of my parents including my step parents and even if you don't have a good relationship with them i think it can still be very important to you even against your will to want to have that approval and that acceptance and that love and you know there's been like i said there's been some fix with um with alex where he is really affected by jesse being in the coma or jesse dying or you know and it's like you can hate a family member a parent whatever and still love them despite your best efforts of course. I mean, I, you know, there's, I would be, it would, to me, it would be out of character if when Alex finds out it doesn't affect him in any way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's not a sort of outwardly, this sort of massive reaction, it is still your parent. And so I think that it would make sense for it to massively affect Alex. Now it could, if he, if Jesse were to die, which I don't think he's going to die, but that it fact that he's in this coma, I think could be interesting if it releases Alex a bit in terms of it gives him that freedom that Jesse isn't breathing down his neck and he doesn't feel like he's around every corner. Um, so that could, it could give him a sense of even relief on top of being, you know, uh, even a little bit sad that this is where his father is. Um, Alex made a comment in the finale that absolutely broke my heart. Uh, that he sees Jesse in the mirror when he looks at himself. And Mm -hmm. how do you think, I mean, obviously I can understand that, but so how do you think his relationship with Jesse affects how he sees himself? I think it's interesting that he clearly wants to be a different man than his father. And it all comes back to, and yet he chose a career in something that does automatically tie him with his father. So in lots of ways, he he's not like Jesse. That's not what I mean. But he is sort of setting up this framework of on the outside, this is, you know, he is similar to Jesse in that, in the sense of where he's made his choice in a career. Um, and so it's got to, in his mind, start to tie up altogether. Right. Because he is doing these things in the military that... I presumably for the way he talks about it, that he doesn't agree with. And that in, if you look at it in a big picture way, he's doing some things to innocent civilians that he feels like, you know, Jesse would have done or is the kind of person. So I get it.
losing his leg is obviously a huge turning point for him in his life. And I know we, I think we touched on it a little bit when we were talking about his service, but I think we need to delve deeper here because it means a lot for his life and his characterization. And so at the beginning of the show, we pick up with Alex. It seems like quite a bit of time after the injury. I mean, we see, um, we see his leg and I think one Oh three and it's obviously very healed. Um, and which means we didn't really get to see how he dealt with it. And knowing what we know about Alex as a person and factoring in his possible PTSD from even before the injury, uh, how do you think that affected Alex? I think it might have been um, very hard on him um, because of how much agency it takes from him at first. Um, but when we see him is obviously in a place where he's he has that agency back so he's comfortable well comfortable is a big word but like he has adjusted to his injury at least and we see him go um in the transition between using the crutch and not using it um and i think he has learned how to use um his disability because like when he goes to kidnap jesse We've already seen him um, discard a crutch, right? So we know he technically does not need it, but he does use it with Jesse. And I think it's really, really interesting that he does because he is showing himself as something weaker than he actually is. And he's doing it consciously. I mean, like, he wants to be underestimated by that. So that was really interesting, but I think he took it might have taken a while to get there. Um, and I would, I don't think we will see directly because I don't think they will use more flashbacks. But um, it will be interesting, as you said, as you mentioned before, um, Sarah, to see him maybe in therapy or in physical therapy, even um, if he still needs it. Um, in any of in any situation that might relate to his injury and his disability um, and see, or maybe even have him talk about it with someone or like, like even with Kyle that is a doctor, so he might understand, you know. Um, one thing I think um, left me a little, I don't know, uh, iffy about it, it was no, there was no sign of him being like in chronic pain um, or having any discomfort after, like, you know, Hoffett, for example, like, he ran around, he, he did stuff that he might have been able to do, but um, at the same time, like, you know, he's going to be affected by those actions because it, at the same time, like, he's still disabled, so. Right. Well, and um, I did look at the meta that, I don't know how to pronounce her screen name, Tassifa, Tassifa, I don't know. Her meta about Alex's disability. I'm sorry that I mispronounced your screen name. Um, one thing that she said that was interesting, because it bugged me personally that his disability kind of disappeared towards the end. Like, you know it's there as a fan, but it's not... When Once the crutch is gone, you can't really tell. But she made a mention that once he was healed and accustomed to the prosthesis, Alex's disability should be invisible when he's wearing pants. And... 
So it made me feel a little bit better about losing the crutch and kind of making it where he didn't have this visible disability. But I feel like that, you know, in real life, yes, that should be the goal. But on TV, when representation is so important and so needed, a, a casual viewer, maybe who hasn't seen every episode, is not going to know that he's disabled. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and yeah. also the way that they view the the prosthetic versus the crutch in their minds, obviously the prosthetic was the easier choice, right? It, it didn't limit Alex in, in, in any way. They, it, and presumably it's, it's a, a fair amount of time has passed because we see that his leg has healed in, in episode three. And yet we don't know how long this time from when it happened to when he got the prosthetic prosthetic to how long did he need to use the crutch with the prosthetic like I have no sense of so the way that the show is it's almost like it takes no time no absolutely um I think yeah as you both mentioned um I mean I'm not disabled so I have no idea what disabled people might think is good or bad representation but yeah not seeing it visually on screen like, you know it, but at the same time, television is based on what you see. So we have this sense of we know he's disabled, but we don't see consequences for actions that he does. But in all of this, one good thing was the intimacy that we saw in, you know, the morning after scene that was so good. I love I love that scene. Oh, and the visual of scene. Oh, I know. The visual that shot. Of scene. That so shot. important. Oh my God, both disabilities are the same. Oh my God, that was I so know. good. I, oh. I have probably used that scene in like a thousand gift sets I at this know. point. And it never gets all old. All of them. It never gets old because it's so powerful. Of all the things this show gets wrong in some ways, it, when it comes to we're going to beat you over the head with this metaphor or we're going to say this line that is ridiculous that is also in that same way of beating you over the head with a metaphor but in mm-hmm. such a beautiful shot like that that intimacy and gentleness i mean mm-hmm. that is a, that was a a good choice So some positivity, I guess, here. Let's look forward. Uh, The show was renewed for season two shortly after the finale aired, thank God, because I was not happy with how everything ended. Um, And we know, so we know the writers have begun working on the next session, uh, including Lana Bennett, which I'm super excited about. I am so excited that she is on the writing staff this season uh, because she loves Michael and she's just awesome in general. Um, But so... So, but during the ATX panel, Karina kind of jokingly talked about Alex getting a new love interest. And I know that that sent the fandom into a frenzy. I was like, I was there. She was joking, guys. But, like, can she, like, not be joking? Because I just, I'm really concerned with the idea of Alex being the lonely, pining gay in the corner while Michael is off with Maria. But I really want that for Alex in season two. I think he needs it. I mean, as painful as that will be to watch, <laughs> just because I'm like, I don't want them with anyone. I get it. I, I'm fine with it. Um, I certainly won't panic about anything if they bring in a love interest. Um, I think that it's intriguing that 
we to give Alex the chance to really I would love to see Alex with someone else because right now I mean he is a gay character but we've only seen him with one character yeah. and I kind of hate that mm-hmm. when you have someone um, a queer character and it's you just sort of isolate them to one person and you don't really get to explore all you know aspects of their sexuality and what that means and I you know I'm, I'm not going to be super in love with you know Alex finding someone else but I'm excited for him to be able to explore his sexuality and what it means to be out and you know with someone who represents exactly what Maria represents to Michael I mean he he gets that chance too just to have something fresh and new and something that isn't tied to pain I mean he has every right to have that as well and I get it yeah I agree I mean I don't know why it's such a pop- an un- unpopular opinion because I've seen so many people get angry about it. I was like, I don't want Alex with anyone else. But like, you have to accept that at this point, Michael is or will be because we don't actually know how that will end because we see them, we see Michael and Maria kiss, but we don't know if they will enter a relationship, how will how that will go because Max is dead in the meantime. So we don't know. Um, but I think I don't, I agree with Sarah, I don't want him to be the sad, pining gay on the sidelines while he, while Michael has a new love interest, you know. If Michael has a new love interest and it's just, like, you know, it, it's right that he has, that Alex has a new love interest as well. While at the same time, that doesn't mean that we have to, you know, push aside what his feelings for Michael have right. are so like all of that I I don't imagine they will discard any of those feelings for Michael either. Like I think those feelings still run deep and that was clarified I think in canon. So those feelings still being equal. I think it's it's just right that he has his own um love interest. And I think, you know, part of it when it comes to the fandom side of things of not wanting to see Alex with a new love interest is comes from, it makes me laugh every time because, you know, people have multiple relationships throughout their life often, Mm -hmm. not everyone, but a lot of people do. Um, And it doesn't take away from anything else. It doesn't change. It's, you're capable of feeling multiple emotions at one time for multiple people, for different situations. So this sort of, black and white cut and dried view of that some people have of of them and their ability to to care and love for you know lots of different people will never not be insane to me because Alex you know if he enters into a new love interest and Michael with Maria or whatever may happen it it just change it just changes them as people it just helps them develop it just gives them you know a more multifaceted aspect of their lives like we you know yeah I think it's gonna be interesting but I think also from um we know Michael's perspective on what he doesn't want right now um but I also think it's clear that Alex doesn't want like okay so the last scene they have in the finale um like the airstream scene that could be like interpreted as they were going to kiss or not what before Noah rudely interrupted them but um I still get caught on what he said in 109 where they were both clear-headed and it was like 
we don't know each other and at the end of the day that's that's the point like they found each other in high school in a point where they were basically the only people that were kind and gentle to each other and that's how their relationship began and now 10 years later like even if they had known each other in high school like intimately I don't think that <laughs> I don't think that 10 years later anyone is going to be the same person like especially with what they specifically went through they're not going to be the same people so they have to get to a point where they do know each other and I personally am very excited to see like Michael and Maria aside and lot other love interests aside I, I do think that they will work on a friendship possibly and possibly fall in love with each other again because at this point in time I do think that it's painful for both of them um so yeah all right uh um so apparently we can all talk about Alex forever um is there anything about Alex you'd like to talk about before we wrap up no, I think, I mean, I think that was all, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to see him not waiting outside of an Airstream because my last thing I want to say, and then we're done yeah. is, um, that the, the fact that Karina, who I hope listens to this, um, had said, said that if season one had ended, she would have been happy, um, with the way that it had ended, um, that's great, all well and fine. But the last shot we have of Alex is this really sad, yeah. you know, and, and, and she can say whatever she wants now about how he didn't, you know, he didn't have to show up and, you know, they didn't set a time. Yeah, we got that. You know, I get that. But at the same time, if this show had ended, that's the last shot you give a confident or a, a gay man who's sort of learning to be confident about himself mm -hmm. and putting himself out there again is that you leave him sitting there waiting sad and lonely outside of an airstream. So at the very yeah. least, I'm glad that it got a season two so that that's not the last image we have of Alex. Yeah. I think for me personally, that visual, the visual of seeing Alex there and then them commenting on the fact that you show up early, you didn't have to go so early, we don't know if Michael then goes back home and all of that. I get it mentally like logically yes it makes sense but at the same time I would have been happier not seeing him at all than seeing him wait there and knowing that Michael is somewhere else because we don't like we don't know um with Ayada so long we don't know whether Michael will go back and talk to him and even if he does we'll have just kissed Maria so like all of that like it's beautiful for fic writing but um at the same time i was just like mm, that's maybe not the last visual I would have wanted of alex like i mean like you said amanda so i would right. have preferred to not see him at all than just be caught up there to unpack when it comes to this show obviously because we went off on a couple tangents um so i am super excited about uh our future episodes 
I know both of you are excited to have an episode focused on our favorite bisexual alien blast, Michael Guerin. Uh, so we're going to have that in the future. Uh, we'll be devoting an episode to Malik's. We uh, are going to have an episode for the ladies, which coming out of ATX and what they had to say about Isabel and her storyline, I am super stoked to talk about that. Um, all right. Uh, thank you for listening to this premiere episode of Queer Alien Blast. Please remember to check us out and you can follow us. We are on all the social medias because I am obsessed and I made all of our stuff about five minutes after we decided to do this. Uh, so you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr at Queer Alien Blast. And you can stream all the episodes, hopefully, um, on all the streaming platforms. So, all right. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you.